Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to our, our second ever Rain Stop Play special. Today I'm joined by Ronan Alexander of Scouting Cricket. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's good to good to be on. Yeah, it's good to meet you. So we are here today to talk about the Under-19 World Cup that starts, well, by the time you hear this, it'll be starting in a few days, but we're recording on the 3rd of January. So it will probably start in the next few days. And we're very excited about it because... These happen once every two years. There's lots of lots of the kind of main players of international cricket play in these tournaments in the past. And, you know, for example, Virat Kohli won it back in 2008. He, he even took two for 27 in the semi-final against New Zealand and in a New Zealand side that included Kane Williamson, Tim Southey and Corey Anderson. So lots of players who played in this tournament in the past and have gone on to much bigger things. So it's always a good tournament to watch. For me, I, I don't know how long you've been watching these tournaments, Ron. And for me, it was kind of the last one was the was the first one I'd properly kind of watched because it was during my final year of uni, January exam. So I sh- and it was in South Africa. So it was kind of really good times for, for us in the UK to be able to watch it. But also it meant it kind of distracted me from the work I should have been doing. But <laughs> that was quite nice. I uh, know I'm the same. Just kind of the last one was probably the main one that paid attention to, and then kind of I suppose the previous under 19 World Cups. You just kind of you maybe look at players now and see where they've come from, and it maybe kind of puts two and two together that they came from an under 19 World Cup, and you can see who else is playing in everyone's team, and it's it's kind of quite interesting to always see like which players have made it to the top, which players were tipped to be really good when they were younger and have dropped off for whatever reason, could be injuries falling out of love with the game there's so much things that can change uh when players are that young so yes yeah, an interesting kind of indicator of a tournament where players are going to go because it's even though it's a pretty high level it's still quite hard to tell at this stage who are the ones that are going to make it to the top and who isn't so um get a lot of kind of breakout stars that end up being pretty interesting to look back on in, in a few years time yeah, absolutely. For you know, for example, we had in 2016 we had West Indies were led by Shimron Hetmyer, who won the tournament. Who obviously is you know now one of the kind of fitness issues aside is is one of the probably the best T20 hitters in the world. He they beat India in the final, who had Rishabh Pant and Ishan Kishan at the top of the order, which you know I'd happily watch them bat together forever. <laughs> Even recently in 2020, Bishnoi, who will probably will be one of the most, you know, as long as one of the new teams doesn't pick him up, which they probably will in the IPL auction, it, he's going to be one of the most expensive players in that auction. And he was the highest wicket taker last time out. And it's, a, I think, particularly for Indian players, this tournament comes at a really good time because they've got the IPL auction. I'm not sure if the date's been confirmed. I've heard kind of an early February date, which obviously is when this tournament finishes. So if... If if kind of an Indian player steps up, they could they could get themselves a big contract. And I, th- I think a lot of the play, a lot of the Indian squad, as long as India don't tank, which I very much doubt they will, then they'll they should get you know may- maybe get an IPL deal out of this. 
Yeah, exactly. It does come at a really good time for them because I think India have had all their domestic competitions on recently and then under-19s have got this tournament just before the IPL auction. It'll probably cross over with each other, so that kind of recency bias will help to give them maybe get that, that kind of breakthrough deal. I think the last time like, Kartik Tiagi was one who got a contract from it and he kind of impressed and has started to, to kick on. So I'm sure there'll be one or two names from the India team that'll go on and do the same because I think they recently won the Asia Cup that was um, just on recently and a couple of players have stood out in that. So um, no, it's basically perfect timing for them. So I'm sure they'll be eager to, to impress. Yeah, absolutely. C- certainly one of the favourites for the tournament after just rocking up and uh, and winning that Asia Cup. But we will we will get to India. They're they're not they're not they're not in Group A, so we're not going to talk about them right now. But first of all, let's start with the structure of the tournament. So the tournament starts on the fourteenth of January in Guyana. It's four groups of four teams. I think the top kind of ten eleven have have qualified through their position in the last tournament. So this tournament does a weird thing where you go two teams from each group goes through to the final stage. And then the other two teams go into like a plate competition to kind of place you, basically. And then, so the so England last time out got knocked out in the group, but then won the plate competition, which was quite strange. So they played, I think I remember watching them batter Japan. And then it was England-Sri Lanka in the final of the plate competition. But then, they, you know, I don't think anyone really wants to be in the plate competition. But I suppose if it gets you into the next tournament, not that, not that lots of these players will be playing in the next tournament because of the weird way it works with it being an, an age group tournament, it means that, you know, you still do want to do well in that plate competition. So the tournament is being played across four stadiums in the West Indies. So there's St. Kitts has got one, Guyana's got one, Trinidad and Tobago. So they're all hosting the group games and then Antigua will host the kind of final phase of the tournament. And then I think the kind of plate competition happens across the other stadiums still. Mm-hmm. So the first group, the first group we're going to talk about is Group A. In that group, we have Bangladesh, Canada, England, and the UAE. The first game is is Bangladesh, England, and I I'm not putting myself too far out there by saying I think they're probably the two favourites to go through. Would you agree with that, Ronan? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, England obviously coming into the tournament is one of the main sides. A lot of their players have played a bit of county cricket. They started to break through and played at a good level, and I think Bangladesh are the holders as well, so they'll go in it with a a bit of a point to prove. Um, and then obviously for Canada and UAE, they've got the opportunity here to, you know, pull off a massive shock that will be huge for their nations going forward. But although, as you touched on now, if it doesn't go to plan for them, they've got the play at competition where they'll have other games where they'll fancy their chances a bit more. So um, there's a bit of incentive for everyone in it. Um, but yeah, can't disagree that Bangladesh and England will be the, the two favourites you'd expect to go through. But I guess that first game will determine who's probably going to top the group and who will uh, go through in second place. So uh, there'll be quite a lot riding on that game, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So so Bangladesh are kind of one of the teams that have played a lot of under-19s cricket in the last year because it's kind of with the way when you when you try and analyse under-19s cricket, there's no point looking further back than a year, really, because most of those players won't be under-19 anymore, yeah. simply. So they've played... They played Afghanistan and they beat Afghanistan 3-2 in September, but then they did get battered 5-0 by Sri Lanka, who I think are a very strong side. So they've, you know, they're okay. They've they've not won a lot of games this year, but they've played a lot of games, which has to be something beneficial, you'd say. I think they've kind of got, they've got quite a good side. Any, anyone who kind of stood out for you in particular in that, in that side, Ronan? Um, I'm just having a look through their squad just now because... 
watched a, a lot more of Sri Lanka. So I saw a lot of that series against um, Bangladesh. So I think they were, although they got smashed 5-0, I think they were quite unlucky in that series as well because I think they lost a game by like, I think there was a game where they lost by one run, a game they lost again by a single figure runs and maybe another game they lost by like two wickets. So they, they were close to getting wins, but obviously the 5-0 in the end doesn't exactly look great for them. Yeah, yeah. Like if you look purely at their win percentage across the year, it's only about twenty five percent for the amount of games they play, which just isn't good. But you know, like you say, they were close. I think kind of my the, the couple of players that stand up for me, the, their top wicket taker is a slow left armor called uh, Naimo Rahman, who took who's taken eighteen wickets, including five for seventeen earlier in the year, and. You know, that's, he'll probably be a tack leader. I think we expect Spin to probably play quite a big part in this tournament. Kind of has done quite a lot recently in the West Indies and did in the last tournament, which I think surprised a lot of people because South Africa you really don't think of as a place for spin bowling. It's, you know, there's a test match going on right now where Seam is absolutely dominating. So, you know, I don't, don't expect Spin to play that much for a part. Another bowler is, uh, where's he gone? Ripon Mondal, who I can't find any footage of. He's described as right on medium on it on Crick Info, but I can't find any footage to confirm that. He probably bowls with his right hand. We can probably confirm that much. He has taken 16 wickets in six games at an average of 13, though. So definitely one to look out for. I'm sure the England the England team are going to be looking out looking out at him and keeping an eye on that. Other than that, they they've got their top run getter for the year, and I it's kind of. The, the top run getter, he's the second highest run scorer across all under-19 ODIs in, in 2021. And that is a bit swayed because they played more games than, than most other teams. But that's uh, Ike Moller, who, who scored 375 runs and, and bats at four for them. And he scored a, a century in one of those wins against Afghanistan. One one more one more interesting uh, thing I've noticed is their captain, uh, Rekabul Hassan, played in the last tournament, which, like we've said before, it's relatively rare, but there's there are a few players in this who played in the. There's going to be a few players as we run through that who played in the last one, and he took a hat trick against Scotland in the last edition of the other 19 World Cup. <laughs> yeah, was, well, something not not great to hear as a as a Scotsman, but yeah, there is a few players like that who played in the last one that will come through again. So be useful that he's got that previous experience under his belt, being part of a team that won the tournament. So to have someone from that group of players to to be in this one as well can only stand them in in good stead, really. Yeah, absolutely. And they've got a couple of players, you know, we're seeing a few of those Bangladesh players break through now into the proper test side. We've got um, Joy currently scored 70 odd last night who played in who played in the tournament last time out. Shuraful Islam took a few wickets against New Zealand. Also, you know, was one of the winners of this side. So and it's, you know, Bangladesh aren't an international side that are in their kind of best moment at this point in time. Shakib Al-Hassan is apparently going to retire soon. And that's you know he's an absolute legend for them. So there's a, there's a big opportunity for these these you know under 19 players to break through in the next couple of years and try and build something where Bangladesh can can go back to competing because obviously they, as we've spoken about on this podcast extensively, we re- we didn't really enjoy watching them at the at the T20 World Cup because they weren't very good. <laughs> yeah, I think as, as you touched on there, there's a few spaces in their team that are opening up. Tammy Nickbar was another one who didn't feature at the last uh, T20 tournament, so. Th- there's perhaps and their batting, as as you touched on, wasn't brilliant to watch. So 
there is opportunities for these young players if, if they do impress their spaces in the sides and gaps where they can they can come straight in and as you said from the last tournament where uh, they were winners there's already players who've made that step up so there's a clear pathway and a bit of motivation for them to to show that they can reach the ceiling of you know test match cricket already so um, mm. no it looks like a, a great opportunity for them to uh, make some progress going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So the, so the other team that are going to be uh, standing out in this group, as we've said, are England. They, like I mentioned, disappointed out on the group stage last time. They had a bit of a tough group with uh, West Indies and Australia in it, if I remember correctly. I think this is a, this is one of the teams that has, well, it's, it's one of the teams that you can find the most data on because a lot of their players played due to the nature of the 50-over tournament in England last summer because it was played during the 100, a lot of these players played a lot of those games. And a few of them played other games because of this. And so they should be comparatively quite well prepared. They've also had two series pretty recently where they played uh, Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka and, and beat Sri Lanka. And they played West Indies at home as well and won that as well. It was, it was a six-match series, am I right to think? I think it was, it was, it was yeah, six games. Seems a lot of games, but you know. It's better than no games, as some of the other teams have played. Yeah. So, who who are some of the players that stand out from this squad for you? Because I think it's a pretty strong squad. I, I'm a Somerset fan in in county cricket, so they've got three Somerset players who I know more about than than a lot of the other players, purely because Somerset Twitter loves telling me when they do well. So, yeah. anyone anyone who stands out in particularly for, for you on this side? And no, there there is two Somerset ones that do with James Ruin, uh, Sonny Baker. I think Sonny Baker burst on the scene last pre-season where he'd done really well and then eventually he probably had to be quite patient to get his chance but as you said that Royal London One Day Cup was when a lot of young players got their opportunity and then um, he done well from there. I think James Rue's been, uh, he's quite interesting sort of middle order but he's quite inventive against spinners, there's a lot of clips of him in that Sri Lanka series, I think he plays reverse sweeps and some outrageous kind of slog sweep shots so um, being in conditions that are going to favour spin having a player like him in there who um from what i've seen of him in his short career so far looks like he'll be someone who'll be quite competent against spin so uh, this will be a probably a, a good tournament to test him and see where he's at at the moment um also i think they've england's team is kind of littered with really good spin options as well like rian ahmed who's at leicestershire on the verge of breaking through there and um obviously got jacob bethel as well who's uh, looks a really exciting all-rounder um, at Warwickshire who'll probably bat around, I think, has he been opening the batting for them, I want to say? Or sometimes sometimes open, sometimes at four for the England 19s and then be a kind of frontline spinner as well. Um, we've also got Fateh Singh who has just signed a pro contract at Knotts, so he's someone who they clearly rate going forward. So, yeah, their, their team's just, it's got a lot of exciting talent in it and those spin options that will favour spin conditions um, look like it'll put them in a, a good place as well. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Ahmed is the one who I kind of feel like has it, a lot of these players. It's just kind of clips you see, isn't it? Like clips. So I know that um, on the scouting crickets Twitter, a, a clip that did re- like that you know was pretty popular. I kept seeing it pop up was was him uh, bowling a googly that seemed to you know turn more than a lot of leg spin. A lot of kind of you know leg spinners leg spin delivery would turn, and and he's you know, broken out. He's recently signed a new contract with, with Leicestershire, I think I'm, I'm right in saying, and, you know, it could be a big, you know, a big 2022 could be a big year for him. I, you know, he could easily break out into that Leicestershire side and particularly in the kind of 
shorter formats where Leicestershire you know, are better in the shorter formats, he could easily, you know, forge a career for himself there. One of the kind of another interesting players that is England's top wicket taker for the year is, is Tom Prest, who's an interesting player because he kind of in in all of his other cricket, other than playing for England and teams, he doesn't really bowl much, but he's then their top wicket taker, including kind of a six for in the six for forty one in a in a uh, a recent game against Sri Lanka in that tour, including taking a wicket with the first ball of the game. What do you what do you think about him? Because he he bat he's he's you know he's got a fifty in the blast. He he batted kind of. Uh, three it, for for Hans in that game, and you know, in a in a really packed top order, and he kind of broke out in a he did hit a three hundred or something in a second eleven game against Sussex, which which had they had a really strong kind of bowling attack against them. Delroy Rawlins was playing Archie Lenham, who you know has been part of this side recently and famously broke out in, in playing for Sussex at sixteen years old. So, what, what do you think about him? Uh, yeah, he's quite a, an interesting one, as you said. When he's featured for Hampshire, it's been solely as a batter but when he's also skipper of the 19s as well I believe so he kind of features as an all-rounder it's interesting that he's the top wicket taker as well just looking at some of his numbers from the blast something that obviously it's a small sample size that you're looking at but as a, a right-hander you're traditionally weakest against the ball spinning away and his highest strike rate comes against uh, left arm spin um, where he strikes at 142 and averages 37 so that's quite interesting that he from the games he's played so far looks relatively strong against the ball turning away from him which tends to be a weakness in the player so that's something that looks good ahead uh, in the tournament as well um, that he's strong against that kind of what would traditionally be a kind of weaker matchup is, looks like a, a strength so far um, but it's good that he's had that experience batting at number three for Hampshire as well um, would probably be a key player for England as well and then his, his bowling comes into it at this level as well so it'll be another good chance for him to if he can prove that his bowling is going to be good enough at this level will that maybe give him more opportunities with Hampshire whereas if he was solely being relied on getting in the Hampshire team as just a batter um, it maybe you know they may sign like an overseas batter or someone who comes in that can fill in his space but if he can show that he can be a genuine all-rounder it just gives him another couple of facets to his game that'll you know further enhance his opportunities in the team um, and make him more important to Hampshire going forward yeah abs- absolutely yeah it's, it is interesting that because yeah he just hasn't really been given much of a chance to bowl and it's it reminds me a bit of again Somerset Lewis Goldsworthy who I saw a lot of in the last tournament of this but then he didn't his batting wasn't was he was it was he didn't bat too well to be fair, but he was England's joint wicket t- joint top wicket taker, including taking a five for in that plate final against Sri Lanka. But then when I've seen him play for Somerset, his batting is what he's he's been known for. He batted pretty well for Somerset in the in the county championship this year, but and and he wasn't really used as a bowler because Somerset kind of you know they haven't been. They haven't been producing spinning wickets since they got fined for producing spinning wickets, yeah. <laughs> particularly. So, you know, he hasn't had that much of a chance to bowl. He bowled, he's bowled a little bit in the T20 stuff, but hasn't, you know, he, he it's almost like he's, because they've not installed the confidence in his bowling, he's lost the confidence in his bowling. And obviously it's a step up. He's very young. He's definitely got time to learn. You know, he's he's still very young. So there's still time to develop. And I feel, I, I see some similarities there with, with Tom Prest. So, the other teams in this group, I can't find any 
data on the fact that either of them have actually played a youth ODI since the last edition of the Under-19 World Cup is Canada and the UAE. The UAE players, you know, it, it, there's an opportunity for them for sure. The UAE gets a, quite a lot of cricket these days, not as a nation, but they've got, you know, their own. The T10 tournament features a fair few local players. So I'm sure for them there's a decent opportunity. Canada has its own T20 tournament. So I'm sure there's an opportunity there as well, but I can't say I know that much about either of these teams. Any any information, any little nuggets of, of, of wisdom, Ronan? Um, not much in these teams, no. I don't know much about them at all. It's good to see countries like this being given an opportunity on this kind of stage. And hopefully out of those kind of, as you would traditionally label them as like smaller nations, it'd be nice to see a couple of shocks in the tournament as well, um, just to show that these kind of countries can compete at this level and these players can get better opportunities. I know from the last UAE squad, they had a batter, Alishan Charafu, that impressed at the 19s World Cup and he started to get a couple of franchise gigs. I think he scored a ton in a T10 game. Um, I'm not sure if he'd still be aged for the tournament, but I think he's been getting included in the UAE national team squads already anyway. Um, so he's already kind of outgrown the under-19 uh, kind of stage because just looking, I haven't actually found their squad. I'm just looking at all the squads are kind of listed online. Can't seem to find there, so I'm not sure if they've still to announce it or if he'll be in it. Uh, so I'm not too sure. I also can't find it either. Yeah. <laughs> the Canada, the Canada one I found, but I don't recognise any of the names. The UAE one I can't find anywhere. Yeah, but the, yeah, that's interesting because the UAE, you know, with the amount of cricket they're getting, they're thinking of. I believe they're they're going to start their own T20 tournament soon as well. So you know. They've, they've, the ICC is based there. They've probably got more money coming into them than than some of the full member nations do. So I can expect the UAE to kind of grow in cricket and probably, you know, they'd they'd be hoping to kind of qualify, start qualifying for for major tournaments at least, kind of, you know, in the in in the near future, making it to a T20 World Cup, making it to the then making it to the, you know, like like Scotland did or like Namibia did making it to the kind of actual tournament. We won't go into the fact that don't really agree that that's how it should be done. But, <laughs> you know, making it to the actual tournament, playing some of the big guys, getting a scalp and, and growing as a team. And that's that's what you want, you know. We want cricket to grow so it's not just the big three doing well. Not that, not that England are actually any good at cricket, really. But, you know, <laughs> talk for another day. They're good at under-19s cricket so far. So, you know, I think they yeah. could go... We'll come on to predictions at the end, how, how we think teams will do. Speaking of predictions for, for how well teams will do, Group B has got probably the favourites in it. As we mentioned earlier, India, they hadn't played an official youth ODI this year, last year until they played the Asia Cup, which they won. Of course they did. They're the most successful team in the Under-19s World Cup. They won it four times, most recently in 2018 with Shubman Gill and Prithvi Shaw in their side. So... Who, who's the next you know there's a lot if you look back at the, their teams there's a lot of players in every team there's at least a couple of players who go on to play lots for India and you know there's been a lot of talk in the last couple of weeks over how India developed their players and how it's different to how England do and they're kind of that's why India are better but I, I don't agree that that's the case but it's, it's definitely a contributing factor the way that the players come from the under 19 side they go and play the A side they play a lot of IPL and then they play for India they did play in a series of unofficial ODIs in a tri-series with Bangladesh. It's, it's, it was a tri-series, but they had Bangladesh and they also had an India B team in there, which was a bit weird. 
the kind of what one of the players who stands up for me. Well, there's a couple of players, and these players could easily be, you know, those next players. Kind of Harnor Singh and Sheikh Rashid are two of those players at the top of the order who who stood out for me. Harnor Singh was the player of the series in the Asia Cup recently, and Sheikh Rashid scored runs at an average of 90 in the tournament. It was helped by a couple of not outs, but and and also scored a 90 not out in the semi final. So it was very good. In the bowling side, they also had a slow left armour, Vicky Ostwell, take three for 11 from eight overs in the final, which is, you know, pretty good. Anyone else who stands out for, for you in this side? And, you know, who's going to be that player? I want you to put, put your neck on the line. Who's going to be that player who goes for far too much money in the IPL auction? Um, I don't know if it'll always be the IPL, but maybe, because I've not seen him play too much T20 cricket, but Harnur Singh that you mentioned at the start there was the one who initially jumped out I think he's been top run scorer in the Tri-Series, the Asia Cup, and I think another tournament before that as well. And I think the fact that he's a left-handed batter as well um, at the top of the order, because India are quite a right-hand dominated team, mainly other than like Rishabh Pant, certainly in the longer formats. Um, so by playing 50 over cricket, I'm not sure how good an indicator that will be towards whether this type of player will make the step up to test cricket or whether it you know, he'll go towards T20 um, So because it's kind of in between. It'll be interesting to mm. see what kind of route Harner Singh goes down. Um, but as a left-hander, it looks quite interesting to be the one that could make a jump um, to India. But in what capacity, don't really know yet because I've not saw too much of him other than um, some highlight clips on, on Twitter so far. Yeah, it's interesting that because a lot of the kind of youth ODIs are quite low scoring comparatively. And... I don't know how much of that is down to, you know, it's difficult to know how much of that is down to pitches because when you only see highlights, it's hard to kind of judge how a pitch is because in, in highlights, every ball is a four or a or a chance or a wicket, you know? So it's hard to see. So the pitches are probably a contributing factor. The fact that some of these kids are still, you know, 17, 18, means they haven't fully grown yet. You know, they'll get better at boundary hitting, I'm sure. Another, one more player who stood out for me was that he, uh, was Rajangad Bawa, who took eight wickets in the Asia Cup. He also scored 91 runs, including 41 not out to get into across the line against Afghanistan. So, you know, he, he got them across the line in a game. And I think these the fact that these Asian teams have had the Asia Cup very recently puts them in really good stead. Because, I mean, it was last week. They played competitive cricket a week ago. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't like they played... It wasn't like they've played loads of cricket so they're burnt out. They played a few games pretty competitive cricket India are on a high they're coming into this tournament as yeah my favorites I think so you know the, all these in all these Asian teams are you know I think they're going to do quite well yeah I think they're the teams probably alongside England who've had the the best preparation uh for the tournament so far so yeah I would agree that expect them to do well mm. so no another team in this group are so there's two more Full member nations in in this in this in this group. So South Africa, Ireland, and, and Uganda are the, are the final two in this group. South Africa are, are kind of currently playing in the West Indies, which is you know pretty good preparation as a warm up tournament. There are also warm up games that are going to be happening in the next week or so, so they'll be worth keeping an eye on. By the time you're listening to this, a few of those will be played. So some of what we're saying, you know, you're gonna you might have seen some of these players and thought, oh, they don't seem that good. So, this this series in West Indies, I can't say I've, I haven't watched any of it. 
I can't, I've tried to find a way of watching it yesterday. Couldn't seem to find it. It's been very low scoring so far. No teams have scored 150 runs in an innings, yeah. which is not very good. So I, don't, I, I kind of hope that's not an indication of the World Cup we're going to have. I think not. I, I think more, hopefully it's kind of, you know, that they're, they're not letting them use the good pitches or, or whatever. Any, any thoughts on this team? Uh, Ronan, they don't seem to have played much cricket either. They're another one of the teams that don't seem to play that much official youth ODI cricket before this current series. So it's hard to kind of know where they're at. Yeah, is I think with South Africa, I think in the last few years there's been it's been quite noticeable that they kind of lack a lot of players who are like genuine boundary hitters. A lot of their, although they're good players, they're quite similar in the way that like Van der Dusen, Bavuma. You know, they'll strike at 120, 130 in T20 cricket, but that's not always going to win you games. But they've got a guy in their lineup that I noticed a couple of months ago was uh, Dave Al Bravis, um, who just reading back on what I wrote on him a couple of months ago, he had knocks of 46 off 25 and 54 not out off 40 balls, with a boundary percentage of 24.3, which is in 50 over cricket is really high. I think even in T20 cricket, if you've got a boundary percentage of 24, then you'd be pretty solid in T20 cricket, never mind 50 over. So mm. I don't know how much that would jump when he plays T20 cricket, but he looks like a kind of genuine hitter um, that they've got strong against spin. And he also bowls a bit of leg spin as well. So he looks like the most exciting one um, as a kind of genuine boundary hitter, which is kind of what South Africa have perhaps been missing from their team so be interested to see how he goes and how he develops and if he can break into the team um as being a main boundary hitter in their squad yeah definitely well one to keep an eye on for sure one thing that, that's interesting that I, I noticed they do in south africa is their under 19 side or, or an under 19 side plays in their one day kind of tournament they don't do very well none of the players seem to be near the top of the runs or the wicket takers in the last year but that actual cricket, not youth cricket, you know, actual professional cricket against, you know, there's lots of South African players, you know, Yenema Milan is the top run getter in that tournament for, you know, has been for the last few years, is one of the top ODI run scorers now this year, last year, sorry, keeps, you know, the classic early January thing where I'm still saying this year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> long may it continue. And so that's, that's something that I think puts them in good stead, even though they've not played that many youth ODI games a lot of this team should have played together before and i know you know it's not it's not the same as football or anything where team chemistry is as important but it's still a thing they've played proper cricket together the other team so the other former member nation i mentioned is ireland in this group i don't know much about this side all i know is so they won the european qualifier beating scotland in the final their captain is uh, tim tector brother of, of harry tector who you know, plays for our plays for you know the Ireland men's side. And any any kind of interesting players in this side that, that stand out to you in that in that from that qualifier in particular, maybe? Yeah, so I think the kind of main standout that I've seen from Ireland is uh, Matthew Humphreys. Um, he kind of tore Scotland apart um, in the qualifiers um, earlier on in September. So he took four for eleven in the first game, and then five for twenty-five. Um, in the the final when they played each other in Spain, so he's 
Also, he's a right-hand back, can come in at around eight or nine and provide some useful war order hitting. I think he got a run of ball 32, which may not sound like much, but I think in that tournament, like if you got one 30, it was pretty much a winning score. So if your number eight is able to come in and do that, um, shows what, what he's capable of. And then he bowls a uh, slow left arm is what he bowls as well. I think um, by looking at this, he's played a bit of other cricket as well for the Northern Knights. Um, kind of one of the Irish sort of pro teams, so he's featured for them as well. So looks like someone who's tipped to do uh, reasonably well in the future, but he was the kind of main standout to me. And then, as you said earlier, Tim Tector related to, to Harry. And I think Ireland are maybe going through a bit of a transitional phase at the moment, new coach and stuff coming in. So this is a good opportunity for, for these guys to put their name in the hat. Because um, I think Ireland have got a really busy schedule coming up in 2022. So there will potentially be some opportunities for these guys to make the step up. Um, and then, well, they are in a reasonably tough group, but um, the opportunity is definitely there for them to do well. Absolutely. Yeah, great point on their schedule. That Yeah, they've got they've got a lot of teams kind of, play, they're playing a lot of teams in that kind of World Cup Super League, which, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a fan of. It gets teams playing each other you know, playing a few of the teams that are less fashionable like Ireland. Hopefully they can play some test cricket at some point. I know, you know, a few of the, a few of the Ireland players have been saying, you know, come on, someone, someone play us, please. Yeah. You know, I'd like to see them play some test cricket. Maybe England should play them again in test cricket. England, are, you know, give them, gave them a good game last time. Uh, the other team in this group, Uganda, they won the African qualifier I don't know that much about them. They've not competed in the Under-19 World Cup since 2006. So, you know, don't think many of the players from that squad are still, they're probably not even still playing international cricket at all. So uh, any any thoughts on this side? Um, I'm not sure. I can't say I know a lot about them at all. Um, but I do know that someone um, that I've spoke with is a guy, Isaac Lockett. So he's, I think him and uh, Jack, who you can find on Twitter, uh, cricket pig jacket pig cricket i think they wrote an article with their kind of favorite t20 teams from this calendar year and i think isaac wrote about uganda under 19 so i've not read that yet um i've got it on twitter to have a look at um but i would probably say that would be the best place to look at to find out more about them because isaac knows his stuff with uh uganda so there'll be some some useful stuff in there because he'd be more knowledgeable than me on them um, but it's great to see a country like that in this, in this kind of tournament so moving on to Group C, uh, the kind of the, the Group C has got Pakistan, Afghanistan, Papua New Guinea, and Zimbabwe in this group. So you know the two, the two major nations are probably going to be favourites. Pakistan. Let's start with Pakistan. They were beaten semi-finalists in the Asia Cup recently. They went unbeaten in the group stages, including beating India in in the group. You know who went on to win the tournament. So that's you know that puts them in pretty good stead. The, they have the highest wicket taker in their in their ranks, Zishan Zamir, who was uh, who's a right arm, right arm quick, uh, including a kind of fifer against India. Take, he took eleven wickets across the tournament. He bowls a lot in the power play and at the death, which is pretty useful. You know, kind of a bit of a top and tail bowler. And he also played in the T10 tournament, the early 2021 one, which I kind of forgot happened because there was one that happened in the in late 2021 as well, including taking Shoaib Malik. Chubb Malik's wicket in his first game, which for any young young Pakistan quick, it's, it's pretty good going. Uh, in the batting department, 
Mohamed um, Shazad is the top run scorer for them. Also bowls some some nice right arm seam. Can't find much on that though, so we'll focus on the batting. Scored 81 against India. You know, and also scored a fair amount of runs in the Pakistan do an under 19 one day cup in you know with all the state sides, which is pretty good. And he scored 266 runs across that, so that's pretty good. Any 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 players that stand out for you in this side, Ronan, other than those? Um, I think Faisal Akram was one who's been rated reasonably highly, and I think he's been drafted by the Karachi Kings for the the PSL. Um, so he's possibly one to keep an eye on. Um, I think he's an all-rounder left-hand bat, and he bowls a bit of left-arm wristbin as well, which is something that's a bit different, but starting to come to the kind of forefront of T20 cricket a bit more. We saw the success of Shamsi and Jake Lintott are the the main mm. two that stand out. Um, so he'll be an interesting one to see how he goes in the tournament and then going in the PSL as well, if, if he can get a couple of opportunities in that. Um, that would be good to see. I think the captain, Kazi Makram, is also in the Karachi Kings squad for the PSL. Um, so it's good to see that they're already been, been drafted for that kind of standard of tournament and they'll get the opportunity to train and hopefully play alongside or against uh some of the, the best players in the world in, in those kind of tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. Kazim Akram is, I think, is going to be a really important player for them, you know, captaining them. He Because he's also played a fair few games for Central Punjab in the in the in their 50 over tournament in Pakistan and averages 51 in list A cricket, which is, you know, very, very good. It's a very limited sample size, of course, and there's a few not outs in there. But he's kind of he seems a player set to maybe play longer forms. He, he He's played a few T20 games in the National Cup and only averages 15, but he does have a pretty good boundary percentage. Uh, I think a, just a, a touch over 22. So he's kind of shown potential that he could do it in the shorter forms, but I think it will probably be, you know, this this tournament will be really important for him. And then, you know, if, if he can do it in the in the PSL, then, well, it could be another, another, another top order star for... For Pakistan moving yeah, forward. Yeah, I know we talk about low sample sizes and small sample sizes of these type of players, but Kazim Akram's also played one game in the PSL before and got 10 out of three balls. So six, four, and a single. So yeah, love <laughs> a good that. indicator to go by. <laughs> love that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> Particularly small sample size. A very good strike rate in the PSL. <laughs> uh moving on to Afghanistan. One player that stands out for me for Afghanistan is a player I was shocked to see in this squad because I can't believe how young he is. And that's uh, Noor Ahmad, who, comparatively to a lot of players in this in this tournament, he's got a lot of experience. And he, he, he even he played in the last tournament when, so supposedly he's still only 16. There is some doubt over how old he is, but he's 16, according to, you know, Wikipedia and other other you know, databases. And he played in the last tournament, which means he would have been 14 when he did. He could even play in the next tournament. But yeah. you'd presume with the way his career is going, he'll probably be playing for Afghanistan by then. He is another kind of left arm wrist spinner who we, we've just spoken about left arm wrist spinner and how it's kind of almost having a bit of a renaissance. He bowls at a lot of googlies, almost as many as he does stock deliveries. And it's quite good because obviously he's played PSL, Lanka Premier League, BBL. There's a bit more data on him. 
So what what is it about him that you that, that kind of stands out to you, Ronan? I think he's, you know, like I said, he's an experienced player for his age and definitely wants to keep an eye on throughout the tournament. Yeah, I think one thing that's quite clear to see by his numbers already is that he's almost just as good against right-handers as he is against left. So he'd normally be turning the ball away from a left-hander, which would be kind of the main strength. But even against right-handers, economy of 7.5 in T20 cricket is obviously really solid. He's got 18 wickets against right-handers and seven against left. Um, both almost 80 overs to right-handers and uh, 18 to, to left. But obviously economy of 7.5 against right-handers and 6.8 against left is really good, especially for someone of that age playing in the tournaments that he's playing in as well. It's not like it's a poor indicator of tournament where he's the best player and it makes him stand out. He's, you know, 16 playing in the big bash and he's pulling out numbers like this. So, mm. um, no, he looks, looks really good and strength. He seems to have been around for a couple of years and he's still so young. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think for me, I could see him dominating in this tournament because the level is, you know, he took a few wickets for Afghanistan in the Asia Cup recently. And, you know, with that experienced, with that experience, I can see, you know, him doing him doing pretty well so m- moving on from afghanistan who i think will probably be you know if not they're probably the second favorites for this group i think they'll probably qualify the other two other teams are Papua new guinea who qualified they didn't qualify through the east asia qualifier they qualified as a result of it being cancelled because of you know coronavirus understandably and they have the best record across the five previous qualifiers they haven't played a youth ODI, official youth ODI, since the 2018 World Cup. So it's very hard to find anything on them. I don't know if you've got anything. Um, no, not really. But I think from watching them at the T20 World Cup for the men's team, I think they were a lot of people's kind of most liked team. Everyone had a soft spot for them, um, it's fair to say. But when, obviously, as you touched on, I do some stuff for scouting cricket, which focuses on players aged 24 or under. Papua New Guinea didn't have anyone in their squad at the World Cup age 24 under, so they do have quite an old kind of aging squad. Um, so it's good that these young players are getting the opportunity in a tournament like this. Um, so mm. hopefully some of these guys can break through and uh, replace the ones who retire within the next couple of years. Yeah, it's it, it's going to be a tough group for them, but yeah, I think it's a really good opportunity. Like we've mentioned previously, the plate competition might be a little bit of a kind of better opportunity for them to play because you'd expect them to lose pretty comfortably to Afghanistan and Pakistan and Zimbabwe aren't bad either. They, they qualified because of finishing 11th in the tournament last, last time out. They, their captain Emmanuel Bauer scored a hundred against Canada and 50 against Scotland. So I'd expect him to open the batting this time round. He kind of seemed to bat in most positions from one to seven across the last tournament, but you expect him to open the batting. It's where he's kind of had his most success and he's kind of that more senior player now in this side. Anyone else in the Zimbabwe side that stands out for you? Um, I'm not sure. I've not found their squad either, so I don't know much um, at the moment, but I obviously think from previous tournaments, they've allowed people to do well. I think Wesley Madavira was really successful. I'm not sure which year it was. I know he's kicked on and um, started to, to do well for them. He's rated really highly previously. So again, there's a clear pathway for these types of players to, to come through. Yeah, certainly another team that will be, you know, after some, some difficult years, it, you know, it's fair to say in cricket that we're hoping to kind of come back to playing, 
you know, they, they, you know, they've played some good series recently. They played Pakistan and Ireland, and they'll be hoping to kind of play feature more at you know ICC events in the future. Moving on to the final group, I've described this group, Group D, as the group of death. There's some really good teams in here, including Scotland. Uh, <laughs> so we've got we've got West Indies, who are the hosts. We've got Australia, who don't play much, but you know they're, they're always quite good at, at cricket generally. Uh, and then you've got Sri Lanka, who are, are very good, and then Scotland, who, you know, may also be very good. We'll, we'll come to Scotland. First of all, if we start with the West Indies, they played a six-game series in England, as, as previously mentioned. And I think as hosts, they'll be hoping to do quite well. Who, who in this squad has kind of stood out for you, Ronan? Um, I like the look of Giovanni de Pisa, who will kind of operate as a kind of finisher for them and bowls a bit of part-time spin as well. He kind of fits the mould of that number six, seven West Indies type of player, like a Pollard, Andre Russell, those type of... He's kind of built like them as well. He's a big guy, powerful hitter. Um, so he's one to look out for to, to clear, the, clear the ropes. But they've also got some impressive bats as well. I think Teddy Bishop was really good in England. I think he was by far and away their best batter in that series. Um, and then they have Matthew Nandu at the top of the order as well, who bowls a bit of off-break um, in their team too. They have Onej Amory, who's a really tall spinner um, so he'll get a bit extra bounce and then they have a, a reasonably well-oiled seam attack as well that all pretty quick bowlers some of them a bit skiddier than others um is i thorn was one who stood out to me when watching them um and they've got i think they've made a replacement in the squad so nathan edwards has recently come in and he's quite a small left arm seamer you can make comparisons to like sam curran kind of bowls like kim's smaller skiddier left arm shapes it a bit earlier on so um yeah they, they have a good squad host nation as well so you'd expect them to understand the conditions best and um they look to have a good squad prepared well with that series against england and then currently playing south africa at the moment so they look like they're in a good place yeah yeah, they look. They do look like they're in a they're in a, they're in a pretty good spot, don't they? With you know, Teddy Bishop scored a century against England in, in one of those games. Bats at three, and then you know Nandu. I think the people of Guyana are very are very excited about about Matthew Nandu, and you know, two hundred twelve runs last year at forty two in youth ODIs. You can understand why. Yeah, they've. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be it's going to be tough for all the teams playing playing this West Indies side. I think Australia. Moving on to Australia, it's hard to know what to, what to what to expect from them. I know that their their preparation will most likely will, will probably have been overshadowed by some harrowing stories that are coming out from the 1985 Australia Under 19 tour to India and Sri Lanka. Uh, we won't touch on that now. That that deserves far more time than we're able to give it. Um, but yeah, some really really troubling stories there. This this Australia side haven't don't seem to have played a proper youth ODI since the last under 19 World Cup. Uh, they had a couple there's a couple of players from that team who kind of we see in the big bash quite a lot. We've got Jake Fraser McGurk and then Oliver Davis who I know you've written about a little bit recently who plays for Sydney Thunder. Yeah you kind of I, th I think Davis was he was quite poor in the last under 19 World Cup until the last game against the West Indies but he's had opportunities in the big bash since then um and really impressed with hitting against spin and then he just recently made his come back from injury recently and played against Adelaide and if you've not seen it he hits Rashid Khan for 
an outrageous like six like off the back foot um gives himself a bit of room and just punches it over extra cover for six it's a ridiculous shot um so they've got some players again who think will be quite impressive too i think cooper Connolly played at the last tournament and uh got some runs um left-handed bat bowls a bit uh part-time slow left arm as well um and they've got another guy jackson sinfield off spinner who's been involved in and around the brisbane heat um kind of set up i know just with all the the covid issues in australia it's interesting i kind of wondered if any of these players were still in australia would they have maybe got drafted into the, the melbourne stars lineup with the, the troubles there yeah now? um if they maybe got their opportunity in there um but as, as you said they don't play much cricket at all as an under 19 side it's just a lot of grade cricket they'll play and um get the occasional opportunity here and there but um there's players that have come through in the past and done well so it looks like there's another couple that look set to do that too yeah that that interesting side i mean it's you can't it's not that surprising they don't play that much cricket considering australia you know men's side don't play that much cricket either particularly away from home um cooper Connolly's an interesting one he's another player from scarborough cricket club no not scarborough north yorkshire scarborough in western australia where justin lang has come from more recently marcus stoyness and marcus harris both came from and like you say yeah played in the last tournament Scored 64 in a game that was then rained off against uh, the West Indies in one of the, it was one of the kind of plate, it wasn't a plate game, but it was like a placement game for who finished sixth or something like that. Basically, just in this tournament, they just try and get everyone a lot of cricket pretty much, don't they? I know another player you're interested in is, is Nivethan Radhakrishnan, who is an ambidextrous spinner who... There's been lots of clips of him on Twitter recently because he he can bowl with both hands, as you know, ambidextrous means. So, so what is it that kind of impressed you about him, other than purely the fact he can do it with both hands, and it seems just as good as with either? Yeah, that also is impressive, and he'll constantly be able to turn the ball away from either batter. Um, but not just his bowling that gets him in the team, which you'd expect if he's able to do that. You need to focus a lot on your bowling to be able to do that effectively, but he'll also open the batting for them. Um, so that's another thing that comes into his game that's really important. To be able to bowl with both hands and open the batting is pretty impressive. And he's just recently joined like uh, Tasmania, who obviously have, I think that's where Ricky Ponting's been from. And then Ricky Ponting's coach at the Delhi Capitals. So Radhakrishnan went over to the IPL and was a netballer for Delhi recently. So he's had a good bit of exposure out there um bowling at some of the, the top players in, in the world. So um he seems to be the kind of the one that has the most media coverage at the moment just because of being able to bowl both hands seems pretty ridiculous and he can open the bat and being already involved at I, IPL level as well. So he's the one that looks like he has the, the kind of highest ceiling of how far he can go in the game. Yeah, yeah. Certainly interested to see, you know, watch watch more of him in, in this tournament. I, I, I expect he's probably got quite a good switch hit as well. I'd be a bit disappointed if he didn't. Not that I've seen any of that. I wonder if he can be an ambidextrous batter as well as a bowler. <laughs> that that would be interesting. I'm I'm interested because it's always kind of one of those things that you think about if you at club cricket. Does he have to tell the bat, the umpire every time he's changing hands? Because obviously it's you know, right arm over, right arm round, and then does he have to say it's now left arm over? I'm interested in that. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Does that destroy the mystery of it? Yeah, I don't know. I suppose. Well, yeah, you'd be kind of 
I don't know what you'd how you'd react if you were the batter at the other end and the umpire tells you, oh, he's going to come right arm over now. You'd be what? Why? <laughs> so no, it would be mm-hmm. weird. I don't know. It'd be strange to approach, especially people who are playing against him for the first time. Um, I get a bit of a surprise when the umpire tells him what's going on. Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, you know, as an as an analyst yourself, you'll have to be preparing preparing the players for for whatever might come. I think you know, it, at, at club cricket, if a player starts bowling with both hands, you're not going to expect it. But when you get to this level, you know, I, I think every every batter who faces him in this tournament will know he can bowl with both hands. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's kind of pretty pretty common. That's not going to surprise anyone too much. And that's I feel like maybe where he has to. You know, you have to keep working on it, and that's you know that's that's how it works in 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 top level sport. People work you out after you first come onto onto the scene, and then you have to keep getting better. One of the teams that's been you know doing really well this year in in youth ODI cricket, they've played a lot of cricket, hence why they've got the top wicket taker and the top run scorer in the like in the within the last year in under nineteen ODIs. Is Sri Lanka, who I personally think are one of the kind of teams that I would tip to do pretty well in this tournament. They got to the final of the Asia Cup last week. They did get battered, like really battered by India in the final. And it was, you know, a bit of a shame. But they do have the top, yeah, like I said, the top run scorer in Pawan Patiraja. He scored 389 runs, including a ton in 350s. In in 2021, scored 113 against England. Looked a really class innings from the bits of it I saw on a pretty difficult pitch. He was dropped at kind of leg slip on 20 and then made them pay for it. He's got a pretty low boundary percentage. And I, I do think that kind of comes down to just how small he is. He seems like he's he's still very small, but, you know, I think that that can improve as he gets older. Any, anyone else who's, who stands out from the Sri Lanka side as one, you know, players to, players to keep an eye on? Um, I know that Matisha Patharana, who's a right arm seamer, gets a lot of exposure because he basically bowls exactly the same as Malinga. Um, so that stands out to people a lot. I think he's played a bit of T10 as well. Um, so he's the main one that gets a lot of exposure. But the one that I kind of like the most is Yasiru Rodrigo, who bowls left arm seam. Um, and he'll bat around about number nine and provide some useful late order hitting as well. Um, so they're the kind of who you'd expect their two main frontline seamers to be. And then they have a really well-balanced kind of spin attack um, with the kind of spin-dominant pitches that you get in Sri Lanka. Probably means that their batters are best suited to the spin conditions as well. Um, now, another seamer they've got as well is Chamindu Vikram Singh, who will probably open the batting and bowl a bit of uh, seam as well. I think when I was looking at stuff, I noticed in their series against Bangladesh, although they, they won that, um, 5 0. Their opening partnerships in the tournament were 6, 11, 2, 15, and 6. So, the kind of openers was the kind of main sort of weak spot. But then Vikram Singh came in and he's done quite well. Um, but I think that's maybe still an area they might be a wee bit vulnerable is at the top of the order because, as you said, it was Patharaja that was the top run scorer. He mm. would normally come in around 4 or 5. I think their captain, mm-hmm. Dunith Well Allage, is another really good player. Um, Left hand bat is really good at uh, facing spin that comes into them and um, is a, one of their main go-to spin bowlers as well. Um, so he looks another kind of real leader of their team. Yeah, he, he's he's actually, he's very, he's pretty experienced for kind of this 
this level. You know, he's the top top wicket taker across youth ODIs in 2021 with 25 wickets. He made his list day and first class debuts back in 2018 and kind of played. He's played in kind of jibs and drabs for his for his side since then. But obviously he hasn't been able to play too much because, you know, I, I presume the pandemic, well, you know, the pandemic curtailed a lot of cricket. So, you know, domestic cricket he hasn't doesn't seem to have played much domestic cricket since 2019. But that's I'm sure pandemic related rather than form. He took five for 30 in the ODI in the first ODI against England and then top scored with 68. You know, a very good player made his debut for this under 19 side in, when he was 15. So he's been playing yeah. under 19 cricket a long time. And yeah, I think he's going to be really important. And he's kind of, for me, he, he's, he's the main reason as well as, you know, Patiraja and the conditions and, you know, little mini Malinga will be great to watch. But I think the kind of, you know him as a solid player with so much experience kind of puts them for me they're going through in this group i think they could easily go to, you know to the semi-finals that where they where they might end up unfortunately facing india or england where they might lose but i think you know they're, they're a pretty good side and the the conditions might suit them so the final team we're going to talk about and i'm going to go completely to you for this is uh is 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 your scotland ronan how, how are they shaping up for the for the for the tournament they're in a very tough group it's it's not going to be easy for them but you know how are they shaping up no i think they're in a, a good place i've been doing a bit of work with them as i say doing the opposition analysis stuff and had a, a training camp i think they flew out and uh, today so there was a training camp just before christmas so um went along to that um where they were getting put through their paces uh so it's good to be be involved at that um, they've got a couple of kind of main standout players as well. I think Tom McIntosh is the main one, uh, wicketkeeper bat, who had an excellent year playing twos cricket at Durham. Um, I think he might not be far away from getting first team cricket down there as well, because I think recently uh, Stuart Pointer was released at the end of his contract. So I think Ned Eckersley would be the main keeper, but hopefully Tom can um, push on and get some, some more recognition there. I think, as we said, I think spin will be a key factor in these conditions as well. And um, Ollie Davidson's a solo left armour who's currently on the books of Worcestershire. Um, I think he w- Ollie was really good in the series, the, the qualifiers that Scotland just missed out on um, in September, but also got into the tournament through New Zealand not being able to make it. Um, so he's probably the main frontline spinner that they've got as well. But I think, as you said, this is going to be the group of death and Scotland are in it. But if this was New Zealand, the group of Australia, West Indies, Sri Lanka, New Zealand sounds pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I, 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 I'm just surprised that's kind of that would have been allowed to happen almost, you know, because they don't they don't usually do draws for these groups, do they? They kind of just... Yeah. The ICC just decides, oh, yeah, who do we want to play against each other? Uh, we probably want India and Pakistan to play against each other in the big tournaments or in these tournaments. We want to try and make it relatively even with some interesting games. We, we also want to make sure, usually, that the big teams make it to the end. I know it, it's different at this level. There's not, you know, there's not going to be the same difference in coverage and people watching it if India make it or they don't. As there would be in an ICC tournament, yeah. you know, in a men's ICC tournament, the coverage is, you know, relatively going to be way more limited. There will, I think, a lot of it is going to be on on Sky in the UK, or if not, a lot of the games that aren't are also going to be on the ICC's website, I think, or on ICC TV, which I 
don't know too much about, but I think it's free. So I don't know if it's free, to be honest, actually. Not going to say that I know it's free. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully it's free. But yeah, I'm going to be trying to watch as much as possible, that's for sure. Um, so to finish off, Ronan, some predictions for the tournament. I want to ask you, and I'm going to put, I'm going to note this down so we can we can come back to it afterwards, after the tournament. Who do you think is going to be the top run scorer? I should have prepared you for this. I should have told you I was going to ask you this. And who do you think is going to be the top wicket taker? And then who do you think is going to be the semi-finalist teams? Um, I'll go top run scorer. Um, I want to be a bit left field, but I feel like it could be Harnur Singh at India. I would go him or Dave Bravis from South Africa to be different. Um, as I, I kind of want to see him do well and see him fulfil that. Uh, boundary hitting. In terms of bowlers, probably one of the spinners could go Nur, I'll go Nur Ahmad um, for wicket taker. And then semi-finals, I don't know, I'll just, I'll need to have a look at the groups because I might end up going with teams that will actually might meet each other in the quarters. Yeah, I haven't really thought about that bit. Um, so I, I also put Hanor Singh and Nor Ahmad for my yeah. uh, top run scorer and top wicket taker. You know, I, for my semi finalists, I've got India, England, and Sri Lanka as three of them. Uh, for a fourth one, I think it could easily come down to who might end up playing each other. Let's go, let's go, let's go, Pakistan. I think they've got a you know relatively well rounded side. I think Afghanistan could do well, but I don't know that much about their batting. So, you know, I don't know how, but well, if, if pitches are anything like they've been in the recent South Africa series, it, you know, your batting's, your batting's not going to be that important. You don't need to score big runs. You just need to score enough runs. Yeah. And Afghanistan's batters should be better prepared for that than, uh, you know, the Australian ones potentially. Yeah. I think top four, I'll go Sri Lanka, India and England, similar to yourself. And then I'll go with the West Indies as hosting because they've played uh, quite a lot of cricket as well um, but hopefully Scotland can maybe throw in a wee surprise or two and <laughs> dent them from, from those ambitions Nice, yeah, perfect Well that about wraps us up here, uh, thank you everyone for listening, thank you Ronan for joining me. Uh, no thanks a lot for having me, enjoyed it, been uh, really insightful into this tournament so looking forward to it For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.